Hello and welcome. You are listening to Gay with God, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Are we still searching? The stories you hear in this podcast will melt your heart and can strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible. And you can be authentically gay with God. I am your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I'm so grateful for all of you listeners, and I'm grateful for your feedback. So keep that feedback coming. Uh, Keep downloading, subscribing, and sharing so that we can bring visibility and validity to our lives and so that other people who are struggling can find us. So today, I welcome Peter Leahy. He is a creative marketing and self-proclaimed ideas guy, a classic extrovert. He gets energy by partnering with his team and our and customers. But for many, many years, he was hiding a secret. He was gay and was ashamed to admit it. One day he decided to no longer be afraid and to fully become the man that was inside him. That fateful day changed his trajectory forever. He's been true to himself and the friends and support network that surrounds him self with. So Peter, welcome to the Gay With God house. How you doing? <laughs> I'm great. I'm great, man. You know, it's funny. I wrote that introduction and even I like it. I was like, oh, I really like that guy. I know. I told him when we first started, I said, I'd love, love that little bio. I mean, that's just so awesome because it's so you and it's just so inviting. You know, it's, it just is really, really cool. So Peter, I'm honored to hear your story. So tell us your story. Well, well, thank you, Mitch. Um, and again, I appreciate you making the time for me and allowing me to, to have a little bit of a platform. And I think I'm going to take that word invited and start with that. And I think overall, the theme that you're going to see from my story is about how once I was finally true to myself, once I finally decided to not live through fear, the world opened it up, opened itself up to me. Mm. It's, it's like a beautiful thing. Um, it was like I was living in the upside down world and all of a sudden I turned everything around. And again, we'll, we'll talk before, more about how I did it, why I did it. It, it, it. There really isn't really a great answer. I guess the answer is just that I did it. Yeah, but yes. we'll start with, again, my story of uh, how we connected. Um, I came out of the closet when I was 44 years old. So I um, was married to a, a woman for um, over 20 years. Um, we had children together. Um, the process of me coming to terms with who I am and the life that I wanted to live and not being afraid of that is obviously a multi-year, unfortunately, multi-decade journey. Yeah. Uh, the, the process of knowing that I was gay, it's like I knew it and I didn't at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. It's like I knew what it was. I didn't like it. I didn't want it to be true. I disowned that part of myself and I sort of made it work. Mm. and I lived a suboptimal life for many years. And again, I, I wasn't necessarily unhappy. I just wasn't really happy. Mm. And admittedly, the, the story of my coming out story is as much about living in fear and being in, unfortunately, that turning into sort of a controlling or maybe even an abusive relationship the, 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 the sick dynamic that was existing at the mm-hmm. time between my ex-wife and myself, again, had devolved into one where 
I was just a shell of the man that I am now. I was just, mm. I went, I, I worked, went home. We had, we took care of kids. I tried to pay bills. I, again, the, the, the upside down part of my life or the, everything that went, went, has gone well, or that seems natural now, again, by allowing myself to be the person I am. I was a person who suffered debilitating debt for years. Mm. So, um, living life beyond your means, living with credit cards, paying minimum credit cards, um, uh, paying the minimum uh, balance on credit cards. That was my existence, again, for years and years. Um, you know, the, the filing for bankruptcy back in 2010 was one of the best things I ever did. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Because I had not 10000 not 50000 $100,000 in credit card debt. And I mean, you gotta be really unhappy to to be that type of, you know, what was it? What was missing inside of our lives, mm-hmm. or what we're pretending to try to have in our life mm-hmm. by spending by spending and overspending? And there are some extenuating circumstances of why that is. I'm not saying I'm not painting one person as a, a particular enemy on that, but it just overall, the the grip that debt had on me, and then. Mm-hmm. The, the part of coming out and being comfortable with myself and living within my means and being frugal and the weight of that, the, the, everything is part and parcel with each other. So feeling better about myself. Um, you can't see uh, the podcast, but I don't have any hair. So I used to suffer from male pattern baldness and coming out also shaved my head. And I was like, you know what? I've got a nice head. Yeah. Or, you know, it's not a bad head. It's but not like a bad that's head. part of like being comfortable with myself being who I was, not being afraid. So when you are dealing with hiding your sexuality or being hiding who you really are, and then you also have debt, and then you're also in a bad relationship, and then you 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 spend so much time twisting yourself or 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 uh, trying to decide what truth is out there or the lies that you have to keep track. I mean, it, it is exhausting. Mm-hmm. It is. There is so much to the the weight that was lifted off of me or the freedom that I have now. Um, I think one of the best ways to look at myself is uh, I have a corporate photo from 20, 2006 when I was in the closet and then 2018 when I'm not, you know, I'm 10 years younger in the second photo, even though I'm 12 years older. I love that because authenticity can be exhausting when you're avoiding it. When we're trying to avoid our authenticity, it's exhausting. And it's almost like that. And I'm, I'm just putting it in a small box, not the whole box of your story. But overspending is, is synonymous with trying to fill the, the hole that that authenticity needed to fill. Yeah. So I, I'm not surprised that you look younger in the other photo because you've stepped into your, your authenticity. You know, um, Midge, I am five times, five ten, and I'm about 175 pounds. So I'm a medium, men's medium. It's mm-hmm. nothing exciting about that. But what <laughs> I used to wear clothes that were large. Mm. I used to wear large shirts, and I it, it, it pants that did, weren't form fitting. And the idea that not being comfortable in my skin or not, uh, I had. There are parts about me that the depression part of me. It's, I kind of look back at it and I'm like, for lack of a better term, I don't like that old Peter. 
And mm-hmm. I know that's it's hard, it's not necessarily great to be healthy healthy in yourself. And again, I'm a, so much of a healthy person by my support network, the things that I do to take care of myself, the things I do to make myself happy, the things I the, the person that I am every day. But you know, I want to paint a picture a little bit of. So again, I I dealt with male pattern baldness and having clothes that um, didn't fit me well, weren't bright, weren't tight. From 2006 to 2013, when I finally came out of the closet, I didn't go to the dentist. Mm. And I know that's going to sound crazy. I mean, I told you I, did, I had, we had money problems, but you know what? Cleanings are free. It's covered in your insurance. But I always felt like that was a barometer of when you don't like what you see in the mirror every day, when you don't like that person, when you don't think you have any value, when you don't want to feel attractive. Simple things like going to the dentist feel like, why should I spend time or money on that, even mm. though it's not really money? And I mm. thought that that type of sadness that I used to have, mm-hmm. that used to control me. So living through fear was my way I viewed the world. Mm-hmm. And, and then again, learning to love myself and living through love, seeing through people through a love lens, that was my great awakening really my, my decision, my desire or my decision to no longer be afraid and just take a chance, Mm -hmm. you know, Midge, one of the things that, that kept me stuck for so many years was the fear of losing everything. Mm. Um, and guess what I did, (laughs) but it was nothing like I thought it was all my fears about being rejected by family, by losing friends, being outed at work, all these things used to just cripple me Mm. and define me. Mm. And none of them happened. Like if I was really smart, I would have done it years ago, decades ago. (laughs) I think about that. Like um, I uh, I told you about my height and weight. I um, went through a low carb uh, diet back in 2017. So I no bread, no pasta, no potatoes, lost like 25 pounds. And I always sound really smart when I do that. (laughs) <laughs> really smart would have been if I had done it, you know, when I was 30, as opposed to now, but, you know, all kidding aside, whether I was a late bloomer or whether it just took me that much time to be happy and comfortable with who I am. Mm-hmm. Once I opened that rainbow door, mm-hmm. life was just clicked. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't fighting it. I wasn't, I wasn't around people who who I now see were just negative and just not the right fit for me. I put myself in the right audience with the right people, with the right message, with the right uh, view of me. Mm-hmm. And it was just that that's the trajectory I talk about. The, 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 I just became more of me. Yeah. Yeah. The real part of you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it has anything to do with intelligence, my friend, you know, you know, that, that word smart. I mean, I, I really don't think that you weren't smart. I, I do believe that you were fearful. I do believe the fear of the unknown. Um, and, and that part of that, I, I knew it on some level, but I didn't like it and I didn't want to be it. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Not liking it and not wanting to be it. So, um, when I was young, the internet wasn't around. Um, and there was within the gay community, uh, and, and you know, Mitch, part of my story, uh, we'll probably get to this. I've, I've actually 
I tr- uh, started writing an autobiography. Yay. I got 50,000 words down. I love Yay. it. I even have a great title. It's called Glowing Up Gay. But <laughs> and I, I talk about how you discover how the internet made me understand who I was and what I liked. So um, uh, I don't want to give the, I don't want to uh, give the plot away, but I'm really happy. Um, my um, other half, my husband uh-huh. is in the, in the gay world, we'd call him a bear. Okay. A uh, bigger guy, mm-hmm. usually hairier. And when, um, when you are in the closet and you kind of like this thing that you're attracted to, but it's not what you think it is. And it was, so everything was unknown, nothing was defined. And when I could finally see that other people, that, that this is a quote unquote archetype or just a body type, within the gay community and that that was an appealing to a certain audience and like I belonged that mm-hmm. that was the sense of not being different and alone and strange and belonging or being like somebody else that was the great awakening <clears throat> that oh okay now I get it <laughs> that's awesome that is awesome because that that gives you a chance to be fully you yeah and I I think the 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 part of hiding, you know, Mitch, there's a lot of reasons why I came out and why, again, I, I wanted to be happy. I wanted to be, you know, when you have children and, and, you know, we were staying together for the kids. I mean, there's yes. no, there's beyond my struggles and my own ways that I needed to make myself happy. I was in a loveless marriage. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's hard to admit that because there's a failure of a certain type. But, you know, the whole you stay together for the kids or you stay together until the kids graduate from high school and then you can go off and do your own thing. Like, what are you, te- what are you modeling for your kids? You're modeling yeah. on how to be unhappy, on how to have a sick dynamic in your yeah. relationship. And I would never want my kids to have the thing, that relationship mm-hmm. that I had mm-hmm. with their mother. Yeah. yeah. And that's, there, there's an embarrassing part of that, that I let that happen that I didn't stand up for myself enough, that I didn't, that it went on too long, I guess is yeah. the best way to say it. Well, I don't, I don't even know how that, that would be, you know, I, I haven't gone through that experience, but I know in my own head that when you're a person that doesn't like yourself, it's hard to fig, fill yourself up with enough courage to blow up your life, especially if you got messages um, post, uh, pr- how I can't even say the word before the internet, you know, we, you and I, I mean, I'm 62. So, you know, there was no internet and there were no other messages about being a healthy gay person and that it was okay. All we had back in my day was scripture, um, you know, lightly interpreted (laughs) to be what everybody else thinks it means. And, um, and that it was, it was not okay. So did any of that taint your, your decision not to like who you are? Did you come from any kind of spiritual or religious background that, that gave you that early message that this is not okay. And you've got to suck it up buttercup because you can't do it. (laughs) So a little bit of yes, a little bit of no on that. Okay. And I would say that, and actually I, I, put that in my book, the, the, mm-hmm. the manuscript that I'm writing almost on the first page. Mm. And it wasn't that my family, uh, I grew up uh, Catholic. 
it wasn't that we were particularly um, religious or there was a, a mandate, but what I knew from early on is that I was different mm-hmm. and different was bad. Mm. And that I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want that to be different or that I knew that being different wouldn't be accepted. Mm-hmm. And was that um, my family, friends, your religious community? Um, I guess it was technically the family mm-hmm. um, in that um, my parents, again, both uh, Irish Catholic in Boston. I know what a surprise. Um, <laughs> what they, they weren't open to people that were different. Yeah. So whether you were black, whether you were Jewish, okay. uh, whether you, again, alternative lifestyle by far, as you mentioned before the, about the internet, you know, there's no gay people on TV. And I, I wrote, right. actually, it's funny, everything you just, everything we just talked about for the past two minutes is literally on the first page of the book. <laughs> and I, I want to, I want to mention, I'm going to read a couple of things if you don't mind, because I oh, think please it's really do, good. please do. So, chapter one, this is literally chapter one, paragraph one. Okay. Here's the thing that straight people don't know. There are rules about being gay, a whole different language from the straight world. You often classify yourself and others based on physical characteristics, and there are even animal names for different body types. There are even catchphrases like Mary that guys will use. It might be a compliment to a friend or knowing or throwing shade at some tragic guy across the room. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. I kind of wish there was a manual or handbook or rainbow pamphlet when I came out. (laughs) Why hasn't someone created a rainbow road interactive workbook or the destination Dorothy uh, guide for baby gays? I could have wasted less time on trying to fit in or become something I wasn't. Yay, yay. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love it already. I love it already. And then, I'm going to read one more paragraph and okay. read it later if you want to, but, but yeah, yeah, the yeah. second paragraph is, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's start with the basic premise. I was in the closet for over four decades. Admittedly, I can't give you an exact reason. I wasn't raised in a particularly religious household. There were no specific family pressure to get married or have kids. I was just afraid of being different. I knew that in my ecosystem, being gay was bad, mm. not going to hell bad, more like you are not one of us bad. In my upbringing, part of the othering of gay people was that they also didn't exist. They weren't in our community. We rarely saw them on television. And if they were featured, they were ridiculed. They weren't serious people. They were two-dimensional. They Mm. were a joke. Mm. Yes, yes. Or they were some kind of like killer. Yeah, they were always yeah, yeah. they a were deviant. always doing something. Yes, a deviant yeah. doing something really, really horrible. That is great. That is. I mean, uh, Agatha Christie beautiful. did that. Um, um, Alfred Hitchcock did that also. Yes, yes. So the messages that you had, you know, like I said, it had nothing to do with being smart. It had everything to do with trying to self preservation, really, because you had to preserve the essence of you. And look past the authentic you. The essence of you does, did, needed to be alive and needed to, to go through the struggle. But, you know, there was no way to do it, you know, in your family. And then when you got married, my goodness, and started having kids, that, that just closed, you know, the other door to the opportunity for a very long time. And I, you know, for those of you who do 
get into marriages and have children, my heart just hurts for you because every year that passes by is another constriction of your essence. And after a while, like you said, you were in a loveless marriage and, and you are the shell of the person that, that you are now because you just kept being, you were disappearing in your life, disappearing. Yeah, it was, exi- I mean, I used to have such depression, mm. d- depression and such weird thoughts. Like I, I distinctly remember that I used to say to the, the, the beautiful people out there, you're lucky, you're all lucky. You know why? Because I take in all the bad luck Mm. so that you don't have to have it like Uh that whole like I was responsible I was and you know my marriage had a lot of problems but I always thought that any struggle we had other struggles um in life and I thought they were my fault Mm. because I was being punished for who I was oh and I think that that little bit of catholic there you go catholic guilt yeah yeah yeah, catholic (laughs) guilt's gonna come in here big time like you deserved it or that well, and, and then that was, so flipping that I didn't deserve it or that I had convinced myself that I wasn't worth loving. I wasn't special. I wasn't worth taking care of. So, mm. you know, when we had a lot of money problems, my, um, my um, birthday gift every year was a pack of York peppermint patties and a $10 gift card from iTunes. That's all we could afford. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think I was worthy of anything more mm-hmm. than that and I think how you know sad is going to be the same word I'm going to use again but just how like like it's I want to use the word small but it's more like pathetic and that's not again mm. not the best word either but more like it's just like like it's it's just not really authentic again is the best mm-hmm. word. it's just not really living if you have to mm-hmm. make your world and make yourself so small and, yes. and that you don't care and that you don't exist and you're not important and you're, mm-hmm. you're just not like I'm so much more of the man I am now mm-hmm. of course I'm, I'm just all me and my you know my friends and my fa- my family and my co-workers they all they all knew the old me and sometimes I can't believe that that's who I used to be because it, right. the real me is so normal and pretty gregarious now. Yeah. Yeah. I got the, the, the feeling that I got when you were speaking and searching for that word was insignificant. Yeah. That it, that, that you had just completely erased yourself from, from being honored or that you couldn't reach for it because it just felt so insignificant your whole life. However, you know, when I look at the trajectory of your life and how it started and where you've come, you've blown it out of the park. I mean, you have jumped in with both feet and it's like, it's like, <laughs> well, you, to your point, boom. Well, I wasn't ready when I wasn't ready. I, when I, I wasn't ready for a long time. And when, when I was ready, I really came out. Oh yeah. Although, you know, it, it's, the, the whole part of, again, writing my story down and get, mm-hmm. like, nobody tells you anything. I didn't know. I had never been, you know, I hadn't been before 2013, I'd never been to a gay bar, never kissed a guy. I mean, all these things like I had to learn on the fly. So like in many ways, I was a fully grown and a, and a fully formed adult man. But then other ways, I was like completely a newbie. Like I had to yeah. learn all these things on the fly. But it also... You know, it's funny. I'm also like, I was confident in many ways of myself because again, I was in my forties and I kind of had my shit together in some ways, mm-hmm. but other ways, like I had to like, again, as I said, figure it out or find out what I wanted in a relationship. I, I had to 
I had to reinvent myself. Mm-hmm. I wanted to take that word you said before, blew up, blow mm-hmm. up. I blew up everything. And I didn't realize that I was, I guess I did kind of realize it, but it, it, we, we, we associate dynamite and blow up and <laughs> explosions with disasters, of course. Yeah. We should. yeah. Yeah. But in this case, starting over was a, like a gift I gave to myself. Yes. Where I didn't have to be that old person that I wrote the rules of what was happy to me. What, what made me happy? What was important to me? What did I want in this world? What do, what do I like that makes me happy? Like all those things I was, I was charting my own path now. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't eat it up quick enough. How did you come to the realization that this is who I am and I can't deny it any longer? How did you get to that place where you could step into being the person that you didn't want to be? Uh, You know, Midge, some friends have told me in the past that, you know, Peter, it's really brave to come out when you're in your 40s. And admittedly, I still don't give myself enough credit that I still view myself as like I sort of backed into it. Mm. And, and there was just, there was really just one simple statement I said to myself, I don't want to be happy anymore. And a part of that was, what do I have left to lose? Mm. Like, I guess if I had gone through the rest of my life, never having explored this, like I would have regretted mm-hmm. not doing that. And again, you know, Midge, we're going we're to have a nice conversation and I, I love talking like the depths of my despair and my Mm -hmm. hopelessness and my just Mm -hmm. my darkness. I, I'm in a very pop, I I think a very healthy way. I'm forgetting that life that I used to have. Mm -hmm. And, but I understand when people struggle or people are, if they're in any type of situation and I I don't claim to be a self who self-help guru again, would have come out when I was 25. Um, (laughs) But but I do want to paint a picture that if I can do it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. there, there, there was no roadmap or, or I just had to figure it out myself. But, you know, you, you meet friends along the way. People have certain touch points in your life that you're able to learn and grow from that. And I think the groove that my life is in now, life was so hard when I was in the closet. Again, mm-hmm. we had a lot of problems. There, were, there was money and there was financial. There was other things going on. But like when the settling and the peaceful authenticity, Mm. that's pretty, that's pretty fantastic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you still have a relationship with your kids? So no, Mm. I do. What's weird is that when my children were younger, uh, my daughters were senior in high school, my son's in college. I did have a relationship with them, but as they've gotten older, conventional wisdom would say, oh, your kids will get a greater experience. Um, they'll see more of the world. They'll, they'll understand. They have not. Um, mm. So uh, Mitch, I got married uh, about a year and a half ago. COVID, backyard wedding, baby. Um, <laughs> my children refused to meet my husband. Oh. And um, my daughter said it very succinctly. And they said, dad, that's your life. That's not our life. Oh. And I think what's disappointing is that my husband fell in love with me because I had kids and he always wanted Mm -hmm. to be a a parent that way. And I think what's disappointing is that I'm in a healthy relationship with a great social network and a committed relationship and loving and all those things. And my 
all the things that I want my kids to see, they don't experience with their mother and they don't acknowledge that I have it. Wow. So they're going through their own journey of not wanting what it is that you're offering. And I, I can only hope and pray really that as they go through this journey and you continue to be consistent as the person that is willing to be in relationship with them, that when they're ready, you know, because I, you know, there, there was a period of time where one of my siblings was all about being in a relationship with me, even walked me down to the spot where I was going to be in our first Holy Union before it was legal to be married, that we were legally able to marry. And then after going to a Baptist church and playing Jesus a few times in the Easter, <laughs> Easter play, I became an abomination to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I was not allowed to be around his children. And my niece had just been born and it was, she was seven before I was able to actually see her after that, because it took him that long to, to put it all together and to be able to figure out. But I told him the last thing I said to him was, you know, this conversation is over. I said, I don't think we're getting anywhere. Do what you have to do. I'll honor your wishes. I said, but when you're ready and if you turn around back toward me, I said, my arms will be open. And that happened, but it took seven years of our lives. So it's always possible. I believe that, you know, as long as we're above ground and still breathing, there's always hope for reconciliation and change, but it is dang painful. It is painful to go through that separation. And after all of the, the, you know, coming into your own and feeling good about yourself, it's very sad that, that they can't feel the energy and, and reciprocate that energy of wellness and healthiness. I think the, the, the part that makes me so sad and really I, if I overthink it, I'll, I'll cry. Yeah. It's like, I don't know them anymore. Yeah. And, the, and, and, you know, the flip side of that is they don't know me anymore. And the, the me that they used to know was all those things I meant. We talked earlier about mm-hmm. being unhappy and mm-hmm. unhealthy. And now everything is just, I just have, you know, part of, part of being living through love is wanting to share the love that you have for someone with your children and wanting your children to see that, Mm. you know, your life. And Mm -hmm. the fact that we cannot experience that is Mm. disappointing. It's very disappointing. It is. And I, and I, I appreciate you going to that to that place today, because that's the real story that people are, are not hearing always is that, yes, we want to come through our coming out journey and we want to get into a place of, of healthiness and authenticity, but that doesn't mean everybody's going to come along the journey with us. You know, and that's the saddest part is that, that people drop off along the way. And when you're finally happy and in love and strong and vibrant, they're not looking, but they may be. <laughs> yeah, it may be. You know, it's funny. If I, I wish I could drop a, a you know, like inception or dr- a drop something in their uh-huh. head that said, accepting me does not mean rejecting your mother, yeah. or loving me does not mean hating your mother. Yeah, that's what I. My children are both really, really smart kids, and mm. I, 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 I. It's tough to see that they don't that they, they don't see a bigger picture and they only have one. 
And, you know, part of being, the rules of being divorced are that you're never supposed to speak ill of the, the ex. And, mm-hmm. you know, barring a few mistakes early in the divorce, I haven't, I don't speak uh, negatively about their mother, but I, I can only imagine what they really think about. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that was the hardest part for me as well. You know, when people were you know, on silence with me is what are they, what are they thinking of me and what are they telling others about me? And I cared yeah. way too much about that <laughs> way too much. And, and that's, that's been something I've had to work hard on is not caring what other people are saying about me and only, you know, the people they tell it to whatever they want to say if that person accepts it without coming to me or getting to know me better, then that's not a person I want in my life anyway. And so, but it's harder when it's family, you know, you can do that with other people, but when it's family, that's a whole different story. So I, I honor that pain that you're in. And I, I, like I said, I can only hope and pray that your kids, as they get some distance from all of this and kind of let it settle because, you know, look how long your journey took. And then when we come out to someone, they haven't traveled that journey of angst and pain. Yeah. And that, yeah. That's very fair. And I think what um, you're right, that you you can't assume that now that I'm happy, the light switch should be yes. on with them. I'm, yes. You know, whether you call it deep programming or, you know, the, the whether they're still mourning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what I struggle with and this, I, I don't feel like other people this way, like I, I assume I children think something like, you know, I lost my dad or, um, you know, I don't have a dad anymore. And I'm like on the other side of the plexiglass. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> Why can't you see me? You know, it's like a one way mirror. And yeah. so that's what, that's what hurts that it's, again, I have nothing but love in my heart for them. And I just want them to experience the joy that I have. Mm-hmm. And if, again, I told you how smart they are. They well-mannered to most people, except for me. And there's, there's nothing about, I just want to give so much Mm -hmm. them and it's, there's no audience to receive it. Mm. It, It'll be interesting as, as you go through your journey, what kind of creative ways you can come up with to stay in touch with them, even though they don't reciprocate, because that's the, that's the hardest part to keep giving and not receiving. But, you know, if, if your intention is always to love them and let them know that don't stop letting them know that even if they don't reciprocate, because you never know when they're going to pick up that message and they're just waiting for one more time for that to, they, you know, and maybe not in the front part of their, their frontal lobe, they're not thinking about that, but, but, you know, at somewhere in their being, they still have that love for you and you staying present validates that love from you to them. If you go into radio silence because you don't think they want to hear from you, then they're going to interpret that a different way. So continuing to be that person that even if they, you know, say, don't send me anything else, or, you know, there's a way to, what, what creative way could you still be present and get your message of your love for them without expecting anything back in return right now? Cause that you deserve that you deserve to, to know that you've done everything to, to say that message to them and to keep it going because you're their dad and you don't give up. Well, it's funny about messages. Mm -hmm. So um, I said something to my daughter 
a couple months ago and it did not go over well. <laughs> and my said to my daughter, well, you now have three parents. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a, a bridge too far. Mm-hmm. And that that was like a violation. Mm-hmm. And th- th- this ha- an incident like this happened when my son was in high school and we were at a school trip and someone tried to set me up on a date and it was a, with a woman. And I said, I'm sorry, I date guys. And my son just <laughs> freaked, freaked out. I told him after the fact and he said, dad, I'll be bullied at school if I have, find out that I have a gay father and nobody cares that you're a fag. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a turning point where I thought they were okay, but what I really found out it was okay if it doesn't touch me, mm. it's okay. If it doesn't affect me in my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's hard to know what's too far until, <laughs> until you find out, whoops, that was too far. <laughs> However, yeah. um, I, you know, you still, you still will always be their dad. And at some point they may be able to embrace your husband. Um, but they're still reeling with the fact that, you know, their parents split up and that, you know, everything has changed and they, they got blindsided, so to speak. Um, and, and there's no way not to blindside somebody when you're coming out of a, a marriage of 20 years and that's all they've known. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, I've, I've talked with people who have gone through a transition and, you know, all of a sudden they're not even just you know, they're not even the same sex their dad was, you know, I mean, that I, I can't imagine, you know, all of the swirling amount of confusion and fear, you know, all of those things go through kids' heads. And, um, but there's always, like I said, there's always a way um, to stay present. And I'll, I'll never know, you know, which way is, is, you know, may trigger something in them. But I do believe that, that there's always hope. Well, you know, it, it, it's funny, you know, a weird thing gives me hope. Um, so I had a falling out with my brother mm. um, mm-hmm. over six years ago. Okay. And uh, last fall, I was visiting family up in Massachusetts and I reached out to him again. It's been a while. And all of a sudden. It was re- it was received and Aww. we're like on the way that like uh, we want to meet my other half. And uh, he lives in California. I live in Atlanta, so it's it's not going to yeah. happen anytime soon. But like, uh-huh. like it went from zero zero to hero. Like it, <laughs> and it it's we're not all the way back. We're not, but like, yeah, the the lines of communication are open, and I couldn't be happier. Oh, that that's a great story, and I I love the fact that you know you've got that. You know how that happened with you and your brother, and I can only imagine how you'll feel when it happens with your kids. So keep that, keep that hope, Peter, keep the hope and just continue to be present in whatever way that you can. So, so tell me more about, you know, finding your husband. How did that happen for you? You, you left us with, I didn't even know how to kiss a guy and I don't know anything about gay bars. Obviously I wanted some dates and things like that. I mean, I think what, um, oh, I've got that. Maybe I've got to get you to read the book to go. Uh, Absolutely. But, no, uh, but no, no. Uh, all kidding aside, I think dating, dating the gay world was a little bit different. 
you know, understanding the bar scene, understanding what apps to use and to download. I did use them at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny. There's a little secret. I really thought when I was first dating or first finding, trying to find a partner, I would not find anyone because I would be perceived as damaged goods Aww. within the gay community. Mm. And I know it was just my thinking at the time. We were Facebook friends. I mean, I wish I could. I had this really. (laughs) There was a nice story about how we flew to Las Vegas for work, and he flew from Portland. So he moved from Portland, Oregon, to Atlanta for us to be together. Wow. Uh, But I think it's like when you know, you know. I mean, yeah. All um, we, and I think you know, it's funny. You when you when you live with someone and you get married during the pandemic, it's not like a year and a half. It's like we've been married seven years. So when I finally got married and I could say the word husband at work, holy moly, that was awesome. It was so, <laughs> and you know, I don't overuse it. I primarily do it with women, you know, not all guys are really cool about it, but like when you have to use the pronoun, you have to switch the pronouns or we did this this weekend. Uh-huh. And then my, my husband likes to, um, uh, He's very comfortable in his skin. So he might wear like a pink shirt and all the girlfriends are like, oh my God, I want to beat him. We're both good people and we found each other and we're happy and people are happy for us. Yeah. I wish it was like a, a more magical uh, linear sentence than that, but that's really what it is. That's what it is. And it was meant we, to be. We live the most goofy, boring life there is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. We have fun and we, we, you know, we, we have a definitely have goofy sides. We have a dog, Alicia Chihuahua. She's the queen of the household. Uh-huh. But like, you know, every night it's Wheel of Fortune at seven. It's Jeopardy at seven thirty. <laughs> that's you know, I know that's that's quality time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. My my wife and I are the same way. It's like you know, no one. We just don't go out. You know, we we never have really been that you know that socially aware of things, but. Um, that's when you feel into, when you get into that comfortable mode of, we don't have to do anything to enjoy each other's company. We enjoy each other's company because we love each other. And so whether we're hiking or whether we are having dinner with friends, whatever, it's just, it's being together. And you're right. I mean, even though you joked about it, living through COVID and being in, in, day to day, 24 hours a day. It's like when people get retired from their jobs and all of a sudden they're like, who are you? And I don't really um, like spending time with you. You know, the loveless marriage (laughs) that I had, you know, was obviously modeled after my parents. Mm. And my favorite example of that is, so we got cable TV when I was in junior high. And when my father retired, he got direct TV. Wait, he got direct TV and a cell phone. So my mother had the downstairs of the house with cable and the house phone. And my dad had a cell phone and direct TV into his bedroom. And he lived upstairs. She lived downstairs. They, you know, they didn't have to fight over the phone or the remote or anything, or mm-hmm. obviously they didn't, mm-hmm. they didn't particularly like each other. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, that's, it's a sad thing to say that, but you know, that's the choices they made. And, you know, it's funny. Again, I'll go back to my book. Sorry, I've mentioned it so many times, but like, please don't be. <laughs> um, ask me a question. And I'm going to get to the, I w- want to get to something about, because I obviously there's a chapter about my dad, mm-hmm. actually about the Red Sox, but it's about my dad. 
And I remember at the end that what I want my, cause my dad died in 03. So mm. I, I had never come out. I have clearer picture now of the dynamics of their relationship. So in my household, dad was the bad guy. He worked a lot. My mom was at home. She was stuck there raising the kids. So they, you know, they each were angry at each other for different reasons, but like, cause my dad wouldn't be okay. if I was here. Mm. Or he, he, he was a product of his times. Mm-hmm. His time. And I would say, but dad, guess what? I got out. I'm happy. Uh-huh. I'm in a healthy relationship. And yeah, I understood what you suffered to be in your relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. That's powerful that you can look back and know that, that you had a gift that he never was able to give to himself. So you are out, you are proud, you are happy, you are married. Yeah, and so, and you're you know, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm part of my pride uh, group for my work. Mm. I go to pride events, mm-hmm. um, representing my company or just sometime myself. And, you know, pride events, I'm still such the baby gay. So I love to march in the parade. Of course, I love to dress up really spiffy and make a statement. Mm-hmm. But like the love that happens at a pride parade uh, mm. I marched with the gay dads in Atlanta and how much I still, I get life from that. How much just the, the positivity that happens during that is just infectious. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. I have never actually ever been to a gay pride. Can you believe it? After all this time, I'm always somewhere else doing something else, but I've, but I've always wanted to go. Because I, I can see it. I can see the, the love, you know, in the community. And I'm so, so happy for people that are getting that. So, wow. What a journey you've been on. I think the Grateful Dead said, what a long, strange trip it's been. Yeah. And again, I think, you know, the part of the unknowing. And when I think about the book that mm-hmm. I have, the stories that I tell, I didn't know any of this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I had no, again, I didn't think I didn't deserve to be happy or I, I knew I was going to be happy. Mm-hmm. Like if I, I knew none of that, but I took mm-hmm. a chance. Yeah. And it, and it was a leap of faith. And it, as you said earlier, hit, hit the, hit the ball out of the park. Yeah. Um, one of my hobbies is collecting photos. Hmm. So I love to take, I love to dress up, of course, but um, I take photos and chronicle my life and my joy and, there's actually a, a, a process behind this. So when I was married the first time, um, after the kids went to bed, uh, my ex-wife got the TV and I got the computer. And I used to collect pictures of things that I liked. So I'm a big music person, movies, Boston sports. I love the Beatles. I used to collect these photos, it, images, and I put them in my digital frame. What did I just not mention in that list of things. Mm. Do you know what it is? No. Myself. I was an observer. <laughs> it was the uh, things in the outside world that I loved, but I was not living it. I mm. was seeing it. I wasn't participating. I wasn't active. Yes. You flip the script now, every single picture is us. You know, we went to the Redwoods last year. It's for the first time. We went to a wedding in um, Joshua Tree, California. Mm. Um, it's living, existing. And again, I 
I make no bones about it. I want to take a picture with you. I love you. You mean a lot to me. I want to capture this moment. I want to put it in my digital frame. I'm going to sit at my desk and I'm going to see it that digital frame right there. There's 25,254 <laughs> photos in that right now. And I get so much joy back from that living that's going on in there. That, that, that's, my, that's my story. I have a story that I'm telling up here that I've typed up, but the pictures tell my story also yes. of my passions, my interests, my jokes, my life, my loves, my happiness. You're present in your my life. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm present. And that's the present I just gave myself. Yes. Yes. I see like three other books coming (laughs) and trust me, I'm writing my memoir now. So I know how exhausted you are at this point to go through all those memories and to write it down because I've learned that living it is, is one thing writing it down. You relive it in a whole different way. I mean, it's, it's amazing for me, the, the patterns of your life, or the how you look at your upbringing and how you mm-hmm. are revisiting themes or re reliving mm-hmm. some of those things. That was that was a big part of. Like again, I mentioned before, there's a chapter about when the Red Sox finally win the World Series, but it's really a chapter about how I never got to know my father. Right. There's a chapter about again. This is a sports theme. There's a chapter <laughs> about uh, another team of mine won the Super Bowl, but it's really about going to a gay bar for the first time. Like all these things cool. where you sort of live dichotomously. That is so cool. I can't wait to read your book. So, um, so do you have a projected date for this publishing or yeah, I, you know, I want to give my, I kind of have to give myself, I wrote, again, I told you 50,000 words. I really yeah. feel like it's a complete story, but uh, like I, I need to do a little bit more in the front end, a little bit more in the back end, but yeah. I sort of want to give myself a date, like two months from now, I'm get it to an editor. Wow. Woohoo. We'll have to talk about that. So final question, because I know that you have a hard, a hard, <laughs> a hard date that you got to go to so, uh, t- uh, an appointment. So um, if someone were in your position or, or think about yourself, like when you were living your life without knowing and suffering, what would have been the one thing that you wish somebody had said to you? Peter, nothing is as freeing as living authentically. Mm the weight that you put upon yourself or the the struggles that you have and the struggles that you might have from coming out will be, will be it. They, they might be too scared and they might be even seriously difficult at the time, but the freedom and the peace of mind and the way that you sleep well at night is worth the journey that Mm. you'll take and Mm. waiting another day is just one more day away from being that great person. So why don't you just start today? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'll, yes. I'll kind of ref- maybe I'll refine it, but that's kind that's, of that's your closing statement in your book. You'll work on it. <laughs> Get this, but that's beautiful. That nothing is as freeing as living authentically. Freedom and peace of mind. It's worth the journey. That's beautiful. Not so bad. That's beautiful. I love it. I told you I'm an ideas guy. I love it. You're good. You're good. Well, Peter, it has been so awesome to honor your story. Thanks so much for coming to Gay with me God. the opportunity to give it and to support you and mm. what you do. And I, I appreciate the forum and it was just fun. That's what the life is too short. Life is just fun. Yes. Let's, let's have good people in our life. Let's have fun together. Yes. That's, that's, this is part of this. This is part of our journey. 
Yes. And when you do publish that book, you're going to be coming back and we're going to do a promo for your book. So oh, I would love that. Thank, keep thank, me thank posted. You. Keep me posted. I, I would love that opportunity. Yay. So guys, thank you for tuning in, coming back each week, supporting, sharing, and listening. And I really appreciate it when you download the podcast and when you go and give a little review. Thank you so much for that. It keeps us being visible. So if you want to see more information and links to connect with Peter, go to the Gay With God show page. We're going to list them there. And that is at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. If you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with God, or if you can be gay and be absolutely authentically happy, yes, you can, because God has always been within you, even when you didn't know it. You have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Stay tuned and hear how you can join the Gay With God community and check out the Facebook group, Gay With God. And if you need a little coaching or support to get you through your coming out faith journey story, go to the show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom and see how you can connect with me. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.